Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks for the weather. Like, we have not had any, we've had jet lag, but we have not had any kind of like freezing lag coming to England, which is really quite a surprise. Uh, I send greetings from Yangon Vineyard. I just spoke with my husband, Soren. He's still there. He just did the morning service. And I sent many greetings. Uh, he will be arriving next week into, into England. So he's really looking forward to be here too. And I, I don't know how much you know about me, but my husband and I, my husband's Danish. And he, uh, we have been planting vineyard in uh, Myanmar. Uh, we now have six church plants in Myanmar, which is really very, very exciting. And the main one being uh, Yangon Vineyard. And in September, we will plant Vineyard Mandalay, which is also really, really exciting. So Nelly will be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe wrong generation. Thank you that you got it. I'm re- I really appreciate your support on that one. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're planning churches out there in Myanmar. But actually, the reason we went to Myanmar for me personally was to continue the work of Eden. Uh, Eden Ministry is an organization that I started 15 years ago, and it's all about uh, rescuing women from human trafficking and uh, providing not only a safe place for them to live, but also uh, doing a whole program of trauma-informed care, restoration, healing, vocational training, and economic empowerment. So it's really this fantastic program that God has had us doing. Uh, I'm going to show you a little video about that just so that you get more awareness. And if if you can't see the t- subtitles when they're speaking Burmese, I'll do my best to translate. Okay, let's uh, have a look at the video. This, this video, you know, is, is the, it was made about a year ago, and it's the accumulation of the last 15 years of, uh, of Eden. And it all started really with us turning up in China with five suitcases, uh, three children, and our youngest, uh, who's sitting here today, Nativia, was four months old at that time. So we, we tipped up in China. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have anything arranged. We hadn't planned anything. We hadn't organized anything. We didn't, we, we had two sending churches supporting us who actually, when they prayed for us, said, go out and do whatever you feel in the Holy Spirit, which is a really great blessing to get as a church. So we turned up there in China and we're standing there. And, you know, it's just about that faith in action, you know, and sometimes you do what God tells you to do and you can't see what the next thing is. So we, we turn up, we've got, we're all excited because we got there and we just don't know what we're there for. We have no idea what we're there for. So we're just like, okay, well, we'll just find a place to live and we'll get the kids in school and we'll do our best to follow what God is telling us to do. And the reason we were there in the first place was because we used to live in Israel. And what, we lived in Israel for around seven years. Actually, my husband and I met and were married in Israel. And my son, who's here today also, he was born there. So we were living in Israel and we were at this prayer meeting and Soren got this vision. 
And in the vision, he saw like this Chinese man standing in a field and he saw water just coming down from heaven and just watering this field and covering this field. And the man was crying out for more water. He was crying out for more. And so Soren, after he'd had this vision, he looked up and he looked around and there was a Chinese person in the prayer group. So, of course, thinking logically, he said, I have a picture for you. I think you need to go back to China because there's this cry to go back. And the woman looked at him and said, I'm not called to China. What are you talking about? I'm called to go to London. Oh, said Soren. So who can this vision be for then? You know, our logic our logical brain. We put things in compartments. We try to figure things out ourselves. We try to get it all in order. And, and often it's not the way God is seeing things. So eventually Soren realized that that vision was for us and we were to go to China. Uh, and that, that was why we ended up there with our five suitcases and three children. And during that time, in the first few months of being there, of just praying, just praying and waiting. You know how painful it is sometimes to wait on God? It's so painful. You can't see the next thing of your destiny. It's not in front of you. It's not materializing. It's not apparent. But you know that the next thing is just there ahead of you. But you need to wait and you need to pray. So, yeah, five suitcases and waiting on the Lord. And then one day it came. The word from him came. Will you go? Will you go? And I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. But where do you want me to go? He said, will you go to the trafficked women, the girls, the pimps, the traffickers, the brothel owners, the mafia bosses? And will you represent my love? I was like, well, um, and then kicks in all the logic, you see. It throws up all those questions of how and, well, where are they? And what do I say to them even if I find them? And, and, and how can I get involved? I have a small baby at home. Like, she's only like five months old. All these questions out of our own logic. All these what if questions. What if they won't hear me? What if they won't listen? What if I can't find them? You know, but my experience over the last 22 years of being on the mission field is that God is not interested in the limited capacity of my 1.5 kilogram logical brain. He is not interested in that. He's looking for faith. In Luke 18.8, it says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Neil mentioned, you know, because we talk a lot, it's great. Neil is regularly keeping in contact with us and supporting us out there on the field and really cheering us on. It's been so, so helpful. He's been telling me that you've been studying James lately. And, you know, I just, I just love James so much because it talks about, you know, like faith as an adventure and faith in action. You know, actually, this this movement of faith and and james says this really bold statement in 217 that so it is with faith if it is alone and includes no actions then it is dead actually the greek word there in debt for dead is necros 
which, I mean, it means rotting flesh. Literally, it means, so it is with faith. If it is alone and includes no actions, it is the same as rotting flesh. It is dead. It has no life in it. Faith in action moves Jesus. It moves him. It, it excites him. It, it, it causes him to, to, uh, to move on our behalf even more. It is the one thing that he constantly highlights and publicly recognizes throughout the Gospels. The friends bringing their uh, paralytic through the roof. The woman crawling on the floor to touch his robe. You know, it was not just the faith in him. It was what they did with that faith to reach him. It was what they did with it. Not just that they had it. For the last 15 years, every week, I have been in some red light area or trafficking hub in Southeast Asia. Or sometimes even in Denmark or in the UK. Wherever I am, I always try to get to a red light area. Which is, you know, sometimes quite hard on the kids and the husband, you know, that I'm like, I just have to get to a red light area. So, um, because it's really, really important to continue with the thing that God told you to, told you to do. You see, God didn't tell me to go in there and rescue a bunch of girls and come out. He didn't tell me to do that. He told me to go and represent his love. That was the mandate. That was the calling. Go not only to the girls, but to the pimps, to the brothel owners, to all of those people, that whole community who is trapped inside of this darkness. And one scripture he gave me was Romans 12, 21, where it talks about, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, that's also all of our mandate. Sometimes we shrink back from darkness. We shrink back from dark places because they're scary, you know, because those people are scary. You know, the, 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 the dark places of the world where sin is abounding. But actually what we forget is grace always abounds more than the sin. Grace will always abound more than the darkness. Darkness doesn't triumph. And we as the church have a mandate that we need to overcome evil with good. You know, Simon, um, the, the ex-triad guy that you saw his, his testimony, you know, you know how I first met Simon? He was, um, he, we were knocking on doors. We go into the brothels. He was actually in Hong Kong. We, we knock on this heavy triad area and we're knocking on doors and giving out gifts. And then we're just looking for opportunities, waiting for that God moment, waiting for God to speak, God to do something, God to give a prophetic word. And in the meantime, we're just being faithful to what he told us to do, to continue to go out, to continue to knock on those doors. So Simon opened the door to us and we were like, hello, hi, you know, we've got some gifts for you. We've got some gifts for your girls. Um, uh, how are you doing this evening? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's ministry of small talk. Um, and he, um, he, I could see the door starting to close immediately, even though he saw the gifts in our, uh, you know, I, I saw the door coming that way and I was like, oh Lord, I was really feeling that we should come here. And then God says, the cat. The cat, 
the cat, just like the Holy Spirit, just like speaking so strongly about the cat. So as the door is continue to close, I put my foot in the door and I saw his cat, gorgeous cat. And I'm just standing there with my foot in the door saying, oh, what a cute cat you have. Oh, he's so nice. Oh, could I have a look at him, please? door opens a little bit more. Oh, how long have you had him? So then I do like a full five minute interview about the cat. What kind of cat it is? How long has he had it? What's its name? All of those things. By the end of around six, eight minutes, the guys just totally door open, invited us in. The cat's sitting on my knee. I'm stroking the cat and we're able to give him the gospel. And the incredible thing is for the next year, we visited him every week. And we had Bible study inside of his brothel. Bible study inside of that place of darkness and terror and and captivity. But Jesus is working in those places too. And it's only when we take faith and we act on it to truly believe that darkness doesn't triumph, that we can reach those people who are sitting in that darkness. So um, after, after a year of visiting him, he gave his life to Jesus. He, com- he closed his brothels. He stopped, he stopped doing the work of trafficking girls from, from China. And he offered us his old brothel as a prayer center. I mean, come on, right? I mean, that is like, that is like God. Only God can do that. But we're invited into the adventure because we act in faith. We do the things of faith. Faith is never stagnant. Faith always is moving. You know, I love the scripture where it talks about, you know, the wisdom from above. Also in James 3.17, the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle and willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. When we get rid of our own logic, we open ourselves up to the, the, the Greek word for wisdom here is Sophia, which means the practical skill and acumen. That's actually God's strategy. In shortage, that's what that means. God's strategy. We open ourselves up when we're free of our own logical thinking. We open ourselves up for his strategy. He had a plan for Simon. He wanted to save Simon. And it was, he just, God will use anything, even a cat. You know what he, that's, that's what you need for faith in action is to bypass our own logic, to, to sometimes just quieten that voice of all the what-if questions. You know, it's not easy. It's not all happiness situation like, like Simon. You know, sometimes I go into brothels and it's like, it's crushing. The darkness is crushing. And, and, and I stand there and I'm like, I just, Lord, I just need you because I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say faced with such darkness. This next picture is taken uh, from inside a, a brothel um, where you can see the girls standing. They line up outside when a customer comes in. They line up outside so that they can be chosen by the customer which one he wants. You can see the guy sitting by the door. He's the guard so that they are sure never to uh, never to escape and in order to let the customers in. But if you also look carefully in the lineup, you'll see there's also a child. Can you see that? 
child was nine years old. And he's standing also in that lineup. You can see him better on the next picture when we uh, have given out the gifts. That's how we often get in this place is what does God's love look like? It looks, looks like friendship. It looks like warmth. It looks like acceptance. It looks like uh, giving out gifts. It, it looks like a, a mobile clinic driving around in our big van, you know, doing free HIV testing. It looks like something. 15 years of persistently reaching out with God's love in these places. Sometimes, like this, this particular brothel, where it felt like we were fighting against hopelessness, fighting against that evil, but we still have a responsibility to fight. That's also faith in action. Spiritual warfare is still so important to pr- press against this darkness, to push it back, and to say, no, no more. Sometimes our visits give the people inside just the right amount of hope to to jump out the window to escape. Or the next time they get the opportunity to run away because they have experienced a glimmer of hope. They've been reached by God's love and it's ignited something in them that somebody out there does actually care about me. It's not completely hopeless. You would say, well... Can't you call the police if you see a nine-year-old child in a lineup of prostitution like that being held captive? Can't you call the police? No, can't call the police. In, in Myanmar, it's impossible for third-party reporting. You can't call the police and say, I went to this brothel and they had this child. Only if somebody's family is held captive can they, that family member report to the police and then the police will take action. Otherwise... All we can do is continue to pray. All we can do is continue to demonstrate God's love. All we can do is continue to, even though it's difficult to wrestle with the moral dilemmas, you know, like, okay, if we rescued one child out of there, that's great, but then we will never be able to get back in there again. Wrestling with moral dilemmas of what do you do? Do you continue with weekly access? Do you just rescue one? Do you just rescue three? I remember the end of the film of Schindler's List where he's um, looking at different items of his jewelry and he's saying, if I could have sold this, I could have got 10 more. I could have got 100 more. I could have saved more. These are real moral issues when you're facing this kind of darkness. But then you have to come back to the original call. You know, I'm not there. I'm not just there to rescue. I'm not there to call the police. I'm not there to be judge or jury. I'm there to represent the love of God in some of the darkest places on the planet. And his love is to all. This is what has totally blown me away over the last 15 years. You know, I, I, there's no compartmentalization of God's love. It's, it's, it's love for all. The gospel is for all. And then come the trials. You know, how often do we allow the trials to deter us from acting in faith? How often do we shrink back? How often do we think, oh, maybe it's not the right thing because, you know, trouble's coming now. So, so maybe we should just back off a bit, step off the accelerator a bit. But according to James, 
Trials are there to strengthen our faith. Trials are there to cause us to continue to focus on God. Trials are not the reason to stop or to shrink back or to take our foot off the accelerator. Uh, Trials are the opportunity to resist the enemies of faith. To resist the enemies of faith in action, which is logical reasoning, fear, comfort, and success. Yes, success. You know, success is, a, is an obstacle to faith in action. When we have everything good in our lives, when everything's going well, when the, we have the job we want, we have no trouble, everything's fine in our family, it actually causes us to come kind of like to some place of complacency almost. We lose that edge. But when we act upon the small, often illogical leadings of the Holy Spirit, we totally open ourselves up to new adventures in God. After, after we had been in China for 11 years, Eden was really successful. We had rescued many girls. We had centers in Shanghai, in Kunming, in Hong Kong, everything going fantastic. We had teams going out and international staff. And then God says to Surin, it's time to leave and go to Myanmar. You know how challenging that is to leave a successful ministry and go to nothing? Because my husband, again, had a vision of a little red line going into Burma. Acting upon total, illogical, seeming to be nonsense. Seeming to be nonsense. But you know, God loves it when we do that. He loves it when we put our faith in action on the prophetic word, on the visions we have, on the dreams we have, on his word itself. He just loves it because faith in action, it moves him. It's something he's passionate about. We need to act more upon the small, illogical leadings of the Holy Spirit if we want those new adventures in God. Tough one to say, but you know what I have seen in, in giving up, in moving to Myanmar and going from this successful ministry to zero, nothing. I had a cardboard box on the table with some jewelry in and I kept telling people, oh, this is Eden. This is Eden. Yeah, this is, this is my ministry. <laughs> and people were looking at us like that. And then we're looking for a church, you know, everywhere, everywhere looking for a church. And there was no, well, there were no churches. And God says, plant a church. We're like, we can't do that. We are not church planters. We don't know how to plant churches. We know how to do social justice. That's what we're professional at. No. God's always causing you to reach out beyond the boundaries of your own ability. That's what faith in action is about because then it creates a dependency upon him that is just so pure and holy and he loves it. He loves that dependency upon him. There's always people waiting at the other side of our obedience. You know, I don't know if any of you caught it recently, but uh, Chris Pratt, he was giving his speech at... uh, um, at MTV, you know, one of the most secular, dark TV channels uh, that's around right now. I mean, he's like, you know, this famous guy, Jurassic World, Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And uh, he gives this faith in action speech in this secular environment on secular TV. And he's talking about God and prayer and the blood of Jesus. But do you know how he got saved? It was because somebody had faith in action. He was homeless. He was homeless. He was living out of his van. He was 19 years old. He was working in a prawn restaurant. And he, um, he decided to go with his friends to the supermarket to buy some booze so he could get drunk for the whole weekend. He's standing outside the supermarket, right? And somebody walks up to him and says, what are you planning to do tonight? And he says, oh, I'm planning to get drunk, you know, probably have sex, you know, like take some drugs. And, and the guy says, well, God has another plan for your life. God has a plan that you are really going to be something. You are going to really be somebody. And God is calling you into that. And so Chris was like, really? Tell me more. So then he goes off with this guy. This guy was an evangelist with Jews for Jesus. He goes off with this guy and he becomes a Christian. Four months later, he's still working in the shrimp restaurant when a director comes in there to eat, notices him and says, Will you do a screen test for me? That's faith. We hear all about Chris Pratt, but we don't hear so much about this guy that went up to him outside of the supermarket as faith in action and told, gave him a word from God. But that we should be those people. We should every day be looking for those opportunities. Every day there is an opportunity for faith in action. There are people waiting on the other side of our obedience. Eden rescued 600 women in the 15 years that we've been working and now reaching 5,000 a year, 5,000 people a year through the outreach programs. There are people waiting at the other side of our obedience. But what I most love about this faith in action is that it's not based on experience. <laughs> it's access for all. Um, because you trust him, then you have access to this faith adventure. And I just finally want to finish with a little story from a new guy to, to Vineyard Yangon. We call him the snake warrior. I think you can see his picture here. Yes, that is actually a snake around his neck, but it is headless. He had cut the head off. He'd done quite a good job of that. So he, he turns up in, in Vineyard Yangon. He's only been to church twice. You know, he comes from an extremely, um, uh, worshiping idols background. He's, uh, he was a drug addict. He was really involved in a lot of heavy, heavy stuff. But he comes to church and he has this experience that just tra- changes his life. And, and a couple of weeks ago, he stood on the stage, you know, I mean, he'd only been to church, what, maybe a month? And he stood on the stage and he gave testimony. And the testimony that he gave just, it, it just brought me back to the simplicity of you don't need to have a lot of experience in order to activate this. So he started to say that he'd heard in church it say that if you pray to God, he hears hears you. So he was really stuck and he was asking, he went downtown and he stood outside of a church. He didn't actually go into it because it looked quite scary, but he stood outside of of a real proper church. Um, And he, uh, he said, God, if you're there, 
I would really like 30 pence so I can get home. And if you're really there, then I would also really like a job. Because I can't actually get home. I'll have to sleep here uh, on the street unless I get this 30 pence. So he's just standing there waiting on the street corner. And this guy comes up to him and says, hey, are you looking for work? He says, yes, yes, I, I am. So the guy says, okay, come with me. So he goes and he does some lifting and he does some uh, uh, work for this guy. And this guy gives him one pound 60, right? Not the 30 pence that he's asked for, gives him one pound 60. And this guy is standing on the stage in Vineyard Yangon with tears down his face, talking about the goodness of God that he gave him one pound 60. And I felt so ashamed because sometimes I feel like, oh, I have such these huge expectations from God and I forget the small details. I forget to be thankful for the small things. I forget my daily dependency on him for life, for breath, for beating my heart, for, you know, like for for all his goodness. This guy was such a great reminder. You know, he read a little bit in the Bible. They started in Genesis and he read about the snake and that was his faith in action. He killed the snake and cut off his head because he realized that God did not like snakes. (laughs) So we now call him the snake warrior. Faith, the faith that James talks about in the Greek is pistis, which is to act according to the persuasion of his will. To be persuaded by his will to do something else other than what is our logical reasoning. But we have to want it. We have to be hungry for it. We have to, we have allowed fear and comfort and success or logic sometimes to stop us, to stop us giving that word to that person in the supermarket, to stop us from calling that family member that we haven't spoken to, to for a long time. It, it stops us because this logic kicks in. But if we are hungry for it, then he will give us more. You know, I have a word for the, for the church. Uh, I just, uh, during the worship time, uh, I see a gateway and I see that, that God has, has the church in the gateway for, for the future destiny of this church. And it's really great. But I see that the enemy is standing in the gate. You see, the enemy always stands in the gate of the next move of God to stop people going through. And I feel that this is a real season of warfare for the church to really gather together, to really stand together because it's written, resist the devil and he will flee. And that we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in dark places. We don't always see it out there in lovely, sunny, you know, London. We don't, we don't see it with our eyes, but believe me, the spiritual wickedness in high places is everywhere. It's not just in, in the red light areas. It's everywhere. And it's trying to prevent the next move of God. So I encourage you, war, pray, fast. Because God is calling you to this next place in the gate. The gate of the destiny. I feel that some people feel like uh, at the beginning of the film uh, that you've also like, you've, you've let your dream go. You've, you've, you've kind of like, there was a dream that you had. There was, there was a ministry that you had. There was something that you wanted to do and you've let it drop 
and you've let it fall. And I feel like God is saying, pick it up, pick it up. It's not finished. It's not finished yet. And you know exactly those people who are here, you know exactly what I'm talking about because the Holy Spirit is giving it to you right now. Pick it up. Three words from God for you today. And I just want to, I would just really like to ask the worship team if they would come up. And I would just love for you, if you feel at all moved, if you want more of an adventure with God in the area of faith, then I just ask you, please come forward, pray. Let's pray together. Let's like, let's shake off that, that comfort. Let's shake off that fear and, and that logic and, and let us be expectant for a new adventure in God. Thank you so much. Thank you.